Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. What's going on, everybody? This is Justin, and welcome back to the video store. Of course, you are listening to Late Fees, a podcast where we take your favorite filmmaker's work, put it through the gauntlet, and figure out if we should check it back out or keep that shit in the store. How are you guys doing today? Eric, Pat, Wes, my co-host, back again, episode two. What's going on? What's up? This is Eric here. Uh, it's Pat. <laughs> And it's Wesley. And now you know our voices. That was not awkward at all. They probably don't know our voices. Not yet. It's episode two. Uh, of course, last week we had the episode about the ballad of Crooked Steven. That is Steven Spielberg. Uh, thanks for all of the love, all of the retweets, all of the shares, everything for uh, that episode. Uh, a lot of people were waiting to hear you guys. Uh, how do you guys feel about the reception to that? Uh, you guys I, looked at each other I, like <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy we're back <laughs> We can't get cancelled We haven't been cancelled yet There's uh, no Nielsen uh, here uh, we, we can't be cancelled yeah. I don't know Maybe NBC will revive us if we do Take us the Brooklyn Nine-Nine route But yeah Appreciate the love It was uh, really shaky and uh, <laughs> It was not shaky Well I Even we're not in public I'm terrified of speaking on the mic So yeah. uh, I feel like I'm going to throw up right now yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, it was fun, man. It was off the cuff. We uh, we got a little sloppy at times. We were really tight at times, but uh, it's just fun to talk about movies and not only shit on, but also uh, praise the dudes. Yeah, well, I think we're doing a lot more praising this week. This so. is a, this is a positive episode. Yeah. I'm probably gonna cry. Oh boy! This is great. I really care about this one. Though. We didn't. We didn't make this one out of spite in any way. So <laughs> this is a pure love. I was foam, This was blood in the. Or Spielberg was blood in the water because I hated Ready Player One, as you guys heard. But yeah, this one's there's a little more. Uh, we're less sour on this. Yeah, Raimi won't even make a movie. So oh, dude, you just gave it away. Oh. As if they didn't see it yeah. already. Um, but before we get into the episode, just always remember that you can always listen to this podcast and many more podcasts on the RNC Radio Network at SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, uh, Spotify coming soon. It should be up by the time you listen to this, I hope, everywhere at RNC Radio Live. And you can check out the Late Fees Instagram, which um, my homie Wes has just, just put up for us. What's going on with that, Wes? Uh, we're going to have a lot of content. Uh, that's right. We're on Instagram. I hate that uh, word so much. I like Instagram. I like, I like Instagram. Uh, but they're probably like listening to us because me and Eric were just talking about Upgrade, and then we got on Instagram, and there was an advertisement for Upgrade like immediately. They're so all listening. They're definitely listening to us. But we're gonna use Normal. it. We're gonna use it because we like you and we like followers. Uh, I'm gonna be putting some videos up. Dope. Yeah, oh, I man. haven't even discussed this with any of the people in the room. So, so exclusive videos of, of us recording. Uh, actually, no. You'll okay. see. It's a surprise. Okay. <laughs> I'm scared because I don't because I come here. Sometimes I come here not ready to be on going camera and on video. 
There, there will be a video. It's Boy West. Surprises. <laughs> yeah. All right. But uh, keeping them on the toes. But like Wes said, uh, and like Pat says, well, we're all excited for this episode. Uh, I'm just gonna jump right into it. As always, we will be reading off the manifesto from my boy Pat here. Uh, this episode is about one of our. I think all of us love this guy. He's one of my top five favorite directors, uh, Sam Raimi. And we'll be talking about him on this episode. And his reputation really begins with the Evil Dead. Uh, and for a lot of people, that's more or less where it ends. Uh, he's a horror guru. Raimi's signature style that we all love originates there, but the man's abilities extend far beyond in a way that his reputation deserves to match. Tracking specifically the Evil Dead trilogy, Darkman, and the Spider-Man trilogy, Raimi showed us that our heroes can often be as monstrous as the evil they fight against. They exist in worlds of darkness, and even when they're cracking wise, they're tragic and sometimes assholes. This is true for, a- for Ash, Darkman, and Peter Parker. You really feel that way? Yeah. He wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Peter, I, I, do I, I feel don't know Peter way. was an asshole. Uh, I think... Uh, Spider-Man three. He's kind of even at, even at the end of one. He's kind of like a little self-important. It, yeah. But in so is Darkman. So and speaking of Darkman, that's what we're that's that will be our first uh, stop on this episode. Uh, Darkman is something of a monster movie and a crime thriller that has been synthesized into a superhero story. Uh, and Pat, you actually mentioned here on your manifesto, this is something that few movies today manage to get right. Although Joss Whedon famously said no one was making the Hulk right because they need a monster movie take. Uh, do you feel as though there need to be more superhero movies? I, I, actually, ironically, I feel like Venom is taking that route. Yeah, it does look like that. Uh, and I am much more curious about Venom than I am about most other uh, upcoming superhero movies. But I do not think there should be more of them. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Darkman, released in 1990 on a $16 million budget, uh, which today is probably like what, for inflation, like $75 million maybe, no, 80 $40. 40 From 1990? Uh, you're, you're right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how money yeah, works. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know what it is. In its first weekend, this is a year after Batman uh, 89, its first weekend it made $8 million, uh, had a $33 million gross in the U.S., and its cumulative gross was $48 million all time, just period. Uh, it sa- sounds kind of bad. <laughs> Uh, this is a movie that kind of went through a lot, a lot of different shakeups, and, and Sam Raimi uh, actually created Dark Man himself because he had he didn't have the rights to have a Batman movie or uh, a, the sh- a movie he about the shadow, the shadow, right? right? Yeah, he wanted to do the Shadow or Batman, but he couldn't do it at the time, so he created Dark Man himself. And I have to say, like, for it's so Ra- like Dark Man is so Raimi, like as far as the way he looks, the, his origin story, all that stuff. It's so like his aesthetic. Yeah, it's. Uh it's really Raimi in that uh, he's really good at uh, the, the disfigurement of uh, main characters. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, uh, Dark Man is is disfigured. Ash is disfigured. Uh, uh, Doc Ock is not disfigured per se, but basically <laughs> undergoes this undergoes the same exact type of transformation. You could argue that Spider Man is disfigured too. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways. And, yeah. Well, he. Yeah, he becomes muscular. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a he's, good disfigured. He's figured. He's but, his figured. Dis- but I was argue that his disability is him not being able to have a normal life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's a different type of disability. Yeah, yeah. The way, but the way he captures that uh, is, uh, I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, West what, Westwood? Is that his name? Yeah, his Westwood. Name? Westfield. Well, no, Westlake. 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 Liam Neeson's character in Darkman, Westlake, is has a pretty... 
Like, he doesn't have the thing that Peter Parker has where Peter's light kind of sucks before he becomes Spider-Man. Yeah. He's, like, a successful scientist. He's going out with Frances McDormand. She might say yes to marrying him. <laughs> uh, so, like, things are, are going pretty well for him, and then he kind of, like, that's how we, I guess they get the everyman trade out of that, uh, that, like, things are just kind of, like, all good, and then he gets screwed over by this fucking dickhead. <laughs> uh, uh, Durant. Uh, Kevin. Well, no, yeah. it's, not even, it's not even Durant. It's the, the Durant's like the guy that works for the guy. Oh yeah, who's yeah. the guy? It's um. He's a piece of shit. What um, is his name? I don't. Know. There are a lot of. A there lot are a lot of, of characters yeah. in this movie. He's by like, the way, he's like a little Trump though. He's like he's like a real. Oh, the the boyfriend. Yeah. The boyfriend. Yeah. Um, her other per- pursuer, Francis Norman's yeah. other pursuer, the evil businessman I character. Hate him. He's an evil. Yeah, person. he's bad. Yeah, uh, and. The movie uh, really manages, uh, like, a lot of great, like, 90s things. Like, there's stuff with, like, a property deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, just the it, technology of, like, skin, skin graphing and, like, creating this new, like, synthetic... Uh, skin. Skin is, uh, is very 90s, like... It all rings very like Johnny Mnemonic. Very, face off. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like a pure text for face off. It was, um, it was like, yeah, this weird, like... Uh, running theme of the '90s of like, of patching up a disfigurement in this really cartoonish way. And not only is like Darkman so Raimi, the, the character of Darkman is so Raimi, but the movie starts and like, car, you're like, in, like yeah, yeah. You're, you're in like the black dude, you're, you're, fuck these guys. You're, over. you're on like a like a dock, and cars are driving out of cargo holds, and like there's an impossible <laughs> amount of gangsters gunning each other down. <laughs> it's the guy, awesome. The guy's got the the leg that's actually a gun. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. And Ridiculous. You know, when he's like, when whatever excuse he gives for like having a stiff leg, you're like, oh no, that guy's got the fucking gun. It's ready yeah. with. The biggest budget he's ever worked with, yeah. 16 mil, like, compared to the 90K that was Evil Dead, and then maybe, what, 2 mil for uh, Evil Dead 2, and maybe 5 for Ar- Army of Darkness? Uh, Evil Dead 1 was, was 350. After, uh, Army of Darkness was actually after Darkman. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, it is. But at the time, it was the uh, the biggest budget, and he was like, I'm out the gate. I'm going to show these motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> you might as well have doves flying. Yeah. <laughs> it was cars overturning, explosions, like, insane... Uh, shootout, the fucking big baddie. I, I might have been Duran, or it might have been his little henchman. But like, remember he's like cutting the fingers off. Yeah, so yeah Duran. Yeah, was Durant. Durant. with a cigar cut. But yeah, a guy who was filing his nails the first time we see him. So like, just this really like it's pulpy. Yeah, it's like yeah. funhouse mirror look at uh, a giant action thriller horror superhero movie it checks off multiple genres it's really emotional pulp yeah and 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 think of the times then where where you're removed from uh batman Uh, it's the same summer i believe as dick tracy yeah, uh, so. and 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 Dark Man come out the same the same summer, and so you got these really pulpy movies that are hoping to kind of piggyback off of Batman's success. And Raimi, to me, kind of goes left in a lot of ways because even in the origin of Dark Man, you 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 don't you don't really root for uh, Westlake immediately because it's about vengeance and not justice. Yeah, it's like an inverted take. On. I mean, the fact that he's working with Danny Elfman on the score, wanted, it's like punctuating, like, yeah. I want this to be a superhero movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and watching it in the modern con- context when, like, superhero movies were the exception, not the rule. Yeah. He was allowed to do really curious, really fucked up, uh, demented, disturbing things. This movie's nasty. It's very <laughs> nasty. It's, like, nasty in a way, not just, like, the gore and the, and the, the body horror of it, but just, like, 
the, the kills are really, really brutal. Like when he like breaks the fingers on the carney's hand. Yes. Like, oh no, this is this has a this has a bite to it that yeah. we're not used to really seeing these days, which is like kind of refreshing watching. And uh, twenty the, years later, the main conceit of Dark Man is that Westlake uh, is basically a scientist who was working on this this big uh, new technology for grafting skin. Uh, he was basically tortured. You said this movie is nasty. He is tortured for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. his torture scene is brutal. And it's. I say that I was watching it the other day. I was like, this is worse than uh, Alex Murphy in RoboCop. Like, I don't know if it's that. Bad, it's up there. but it's it's pretty that's bad. Shit. RoboCop. RoboCop is like as bad as it gets. Then they shoot his legs off, right? They shoot everything. Uh, shoot his arms off. They yeah. Shoot his dick. Yeah. But you see his hands like burn off. Yeah, and it's shit like that. It's like yeah, I was like, like his hand, his face gets his all face gross. gets burnt off. Yeah, uh, they leave him for dead, and then he basically comes back. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they blow him up. And they blow him up. <laughs> he he goes flying he goes into the <laughs> bay, right? <laughs> flying <laughs> through the air into yeah. the bay. So, am I to believe? Like, what are his powers exactly? It's it's fun. You want to go for it? He can't feel pain. Okay. So, which isn't always a power. Well, that that leads to his strength because he he doesn't have the emotional balance to tamper that anger and strength. So it it manifests as brutal strength. He's unchecked. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think in the expedition exposition dump. They say (laughs) I love that. No, but that this is this kind of ties into the theme. Why I love this so much because it's like he's never called Dark Man once. In the movie, no. except, except the very so in the end, mm-hmm. so it's like we accept him as a superhero because it is, has the the man in it, like Batman, you know, whatever. So it's sort of this tongue in cheek kind of wink of like, no, I'm making this galaxy brain boy, my, my creation. This, I honestly thought it was from like a like a Vertigo imprint. Like it, it seems like a graphic novel character. Yeah. this is straight from Raimi's fucking head, which is. Might need to be checked and evaluated. Can we talk backtrack for two seconds? It's insane that Danny Elfman did, did this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I did Batman. Yeah, he just did Batman. He's like, okay, you're the guy who wasn't allowed to do Batman. It's like a year after Batman. Sure. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. I think it had to have been like the clout that sort of carried over from the success of the Evil Dead, two Evil Dead movies at and, this point. Uh, Elfman's score is great yeah. like it's so mysterious yeah. Yeah. haunting it legitimizes it, the movie in and a lot it also of adds a lot, a lot of like the, the melodrama yeah like the, oh, the yeah. my favorite uh thing is one of the tracks is called like uh woe is dark man or something <laughs> like, like woe is me i'm dark man it's like literally like that's, that's the beautiful. track name and it's like the it's like the part where he's like in the gutter and there's like water rushing into his yeah head. yeah that's and like that's like uh lindelof naming like the monkey wheel and lost yeah like, yeah really yeah really on the nose stuff that's awesome <laughs> but he like brings this sense of melodrama and i don't know i think it's a great it's a really great under appreciated score sure um it's one of the things that i remembered for a long time dark dark man is actually the first sam raimi movie i ever saw wow i didn't realize it was a sam raimi movie because when i was a kid when i saw it i didn't know yeah what the directors were yeah um but it's a movie i saw on like tv and i think i rented it a couple times Mm -hmm. and it just kind of always stuck with me and then i think i forgot about it for a really long time and then when i was discovering sam raimi and i was like Holy shit! He directed that weird, <laughs> that weird like kind of superhero movie that I liked when I was a kid, but it was also really scary and weird and yeah. violent. Yeah, the, the the carnival scene is, I think, the best scene in the movie, and it's just like so insane and scary and weird. And he, but, go ahead. Justin. He does a lot with the carnival scene. I want to get to that, mm-hmm. yeah. but I want to also talk about the plot a little bit. Yeah, break down uh, the plot real quick. 
essentially the plot is Westlake slash Darkman essentially getting revenge on Durant mm-hmm. and Shrek, I believe his name is. Uh, I think the the big develop, uh, billionaire developer. The developer's name is Shrek. Louis 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 Shrek. Shrek. You said Shrek. Like, Shrek. Like, like Shrek is love. It's Louis Shrek. <laughs> but I mean, essentially, because I mean, Durant goes on to be. In the uh, the third movie or the second movie, I believe. Yeah, uh, this, this, even this though he dies. Sequels, yes, yeah. <laughs> Rainy basically uninvolved. Yeah, all I, I think he was slightly involved in the second one, but not probably very. by like characters by, and that's it. Yeah. The second one has like a, a really classic subtitle, like the return, the return of Durant. Of Durant. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and the third one is Die Darkman Die. Dark so. <laughs> that's great. Do you know who plays Darkman in the sequels? No. Oh, you're I, gonna love. I this. didn't even stop to think about this. Uh, it's it's the mummy. It's the oh Osman uh, Vazlu, Emotep. Yeah, Emotep. I love him. Hobby yeah. Marwan. He looks yeah. just like him. Really, yeah. I mean the, the makeup's the same. Yeah. Essentially, he's got the bald head. That's you don't even great. have to shave anybody. That, that, that does hilarious. actually make me very curious. But he he's looking for revenge against Durant. He also has a, a girlfriend who is the definition of damsel in distress. The women yeah. in this movie written very badly. I don't like her character at all. <laughs> she's really bad. Fran- by Frances McDormand, uh, who, who I think looks beautiful in this movie. I think she's yeah. she's a dime. She's a dime here. Uh, but they, there are some really cool and weird things that are outside of the superhero genre that Darkman does to fuck with the mobsters in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, including there's a really good scene with a bald mobster that oh, he essentially yeah. uh, he switches faces with him. Yeah, takes it, his money. <laughs> Space-off technology. Yes, the space-off technology. But it's weird because there's no real time as to how long these masks take to make. He just kind of makes them out of nowhere. Gets like the like he doesn't even like physically look like any of the people he is he is acting like. Quick uh, aside: Dark Man played by Liam Neeson, relatively unknown at the time. Like he wasn't the Liam Neeson we know today. He wasn't even like a star of the stage yet. He was like. Showed up in like B budget schlock like Kroll. I yeah. think was like the only thing he'd really been in. It was almost Bill Paxton. Yeah. Well, and it was almost Gary Oldman oh, who played wow. Darkman. All those uh, you can really see all those actually yeah. Ray, working. Uh, Rami would go on to work with Bill Paxton later on the simple plan. Yep. But that caused a rift. They weren't friends for like five years because Paxton told uh, uh, Neeson about this role and Neeson went out for it and got it and he was like, fuck you, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know Real actor beef hours. I got a controversial opinion. Hit me. I don't think Liam Neeson's good in this movie. He wow. is. He. I, I'm with you, Wes. I think he's bad. He like there the scene at the carnival. Even though you say it's the best scene in the movie, I do agree. Oh, it's over the the top. part where he like he's chewing scenery here. Yeah. When the screen goes like this should be the cover of this episode. The screen goes like <laughs> fire, and he's like. Yes. Oh, yes. And he's like yes. oh. <laughs> That's what he leads okay. into the B, the B budgetness that made Rami famous. Or when he's dancing with the oil cap on his head. Yes. What, is is that, he bipolar? That yeah. part is great. The, the I'm a circus for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I was like, okay, he's he's going for this. Like yeah, this yeah. is not like a. Oh, this heavy. is a Sam Raimi movie here. Yeah, like, yeah, baby. And it was cool to see him like have a main character who he was willing to like devolve into just like locked off weirdness. For a whole scene, but it's bizarre, and I wouldn't say whether or not he's good. I don't think he's likable, even once he uh-uh. becomes less vengeful. Yeah, he's I, terrible. I think there's a almost another wink, and maybe I'm projecting because I wanted to be this true, but like he has this big hulking Irish. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> absolute unit, uh, Liam Neeson, who hasn't really had a big American hit yet. And yet his first, like, breakout film, he's, like, 
bared in prosthesis, <laughs> underneath, underneath bloody bandages and shit, and like <laughs> has to like scream through these little uh, like gaping holes. It's actually kind of like cruel. I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying and, and I fucking love it. And when he's not, he's wearing like a Liam Neeson mask. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but he's, they, okay. <laughs> They just make his skin look rubbery. How do they do that? I don't know, but it's really... It's it, really it's weird. A, it's, an, it's like an unsettling effect that they managed to I can't look at him. Carnival scene when his fucking cheek pops? Oh, man. Should, Disgusting. We, should we go into the carnival scene? Do you want I, to contextualize yeah. it yes. a little bit? A little, a little context. Well, I'll let you contextualize it, but I have a quick aside involving the carnival scene that sort of ties into other interests in a filmmaker we probably will talk about in this podcast later. So the scene in the carnival, uh, Darkman manages to, I mean, of course, if your face is fucked up and you have face-making technology, you'll make your own face again, yeah. even, if you only have, <laughs> even if you only have 20 Most minutes. Most natural face it. to make. So, f- first of all, let's be clear, his girlfriend goes to visit his grave, and he is there at the cemetery watching her, <laughs> and she accepts that it is him, and there's I don't no remember, one else. I don't remember exactly what it is, but his his explanation is so fucking bad yeah. for like where he was and what he's been doing. He doesn't justify anything. His, his it's like, oh, the answer always begs more questions. There's no way you wouldn't have a million questions. Of here. course, it doesn't make him look like a better guy. It just makes him look like a fucking douchebag. But then he then he says, "Let's go to the carnival. Let's go on a date." They go on a date at the carnival. This is the scene. I cannot make this up. He is playing the the game where you throw the ball at the bottles. bottles. (laughs) He gets mad, throws it, and the carny won't let him get the pink elephant because he was not behind the line, which leads him to go into a... And again, I really think that he's bipolar. They just have not diagnosed him in this movie. He breaks the carnival guy, uh, the carney's fingers, and he runs away like a fucking goofball. Well, throw, <laughs> throws him through the the tent first after he get, snaps his fingers back to his elbows. Yes, it's, a it's lot incredible. of finger action in this. Then movie. he says, "Take the fucking bear or the elephant or whatever." Take the, take the pink elephant. Get the fucking elephant. <laughs> That's a great impression. Uh, I, I've got my Liam Neeson dark man down. I love that scene, and it made me think it was an homage because. Obviously, it's an overused adjective at this point, but this sort of like hyper surreal, almost absurdist sort of um, like B horror always gets labeled as Lynchian, and it's an over overused uh, reference that I think has been neutered at ball meeting. But I couldn't help but think that was a little wink to the elephant man as he's like, I'm not a human being, or I am a human being, do I abuse you, as he's yelling about taking the elephant. I just thought yeah. it all felt very, like, homage to Lynch and the elephant man. Lynch would say, if that's what you took from it, great. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, Pat, Pat, you can be Lynch for the podcast. And uh, if it was Quentin Tarantino talking, talking to Nick oh, Reffin, it would oh, be, no. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> um, no, but I, I feel like that seems like Everything that makes Raimi great, he can. It is hammy, it is campy, it, yeah. is, it is big and broad. Encouraging his his sort of no name actors because again he works with the twenty two year old Bruce Campbell, getting a similar but much better broad performance uh, out of him as well. But just this in, in off the wall, just going for bonkers performance that makes me laugh every time. And yeah, and then the CG with it is is insanely it's, bad. Yeah, because it's the nineties and like it's impossible to like date these movies. Like uh, maliciously, but it's still <laughs> funny as fuck. Um, I almost think Darkman is like this weird, uh, like almost we're on acid version of Phantom of the Opera. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, it actually it reminded me a lot of uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Paradise yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think Elfman's score really like adds that like gothic theatrical like yeah. element to it. And it's super stuff. hallucinatory. Like you never know. Everything feels like a fever dream because yeah. he shoots everything in these wide angles, and it's just like. Very disorienting. Yeah. For, and for like a height, heightened cartoonish effect. I think that's, you know, part of what makes Rami's brand pop like that. I almost feel like the score is doesn't match the movie sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't match. Maybe it doesn't. But, I mean, we, we talk about the carnival scene and we contextualize it because – uh, Raimi does a lot of things similarly in a lot of these movies that we are, you know, either whether it be his superhero movies or his horror movies that we are going to frame as really the beginning of, of his superhero uh, tenure. And this is a, a part of the movie that I really liked because it's the hero's journey in a different way. His heroes are imperfect. And uh, Darkman is like the, the biggest, biggest example of that. Um, I, not only just from his face, but the way that he acts. Did you feel like there was enough explanation or did he go deeply enough into that like he does with Peter in, Spider-Man, in the Spider-Man trilogy? Like the psychology behind why he is behaving this way? Yeah, the psychology it? behind it. Why? Because I feel like that was a big part of the movie that was missing for me. It was like why, like, why are you acting like this? Yeah, it's still very B-movie in that way in that a lot of the movie, and a lot of your enjoyment of the movie is going to depend on your enjoyment of pulpy gimmicks yeah. over like explanation of character or plausibility of events. I mean, that's ridiculous to say, considering like the, in any of these movies, the plausibility of events it doesn't exist. Right. But in this one, especially, you kind of just have to throw in for like, yeah, I'm in this fever dream where there's face swapping and shit. <laughs> like, you're not. The, the, his motivations, I would say, are not well explored. Uh, but character isn't necessarily this movie's strong suit nor what I need from it. I like Durant. This motherfucker crashed into a, a, a helicopter into a fucking bridge. Yeah. And he's alive in the next movie. I believe he gets facial reconstruction surgery in the second movie. Yeah, yeah. he does. The same technology, yeah. I think. It's yeah. appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I think Durant's a really great villain. Uh, and that actor is really... Larry Drake. Yeah, he's a character actor. He's really weird. Did you ever see the movie? Dr. Giggles? Dr. Giggles. Yes, sir. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen Dr. Giggles. Okay, so he's like... I don't even remember. He's like a... He's uh, a dentist. He's a crazy dentist. Yeah. Yeah. Think about where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dougie Doug is in it. Actually, I believe... Right. No, Ruffalo's in The Dentist. Yeah, I believe I someone else is in. The dentist. Oh, the dentist is uh, Corbin Benson. Corbin oh, Benson, boy. yeah. The dentist is wild. Man. That movie, if you like, don't like to see teeth being taken out and fucked with. I don't. Don't <laughs> see that movie. It is because he. There's a part where he like takes his wife's teeth out and it shows her with like gumballs. Nah, like, I'm yeah, good. yeah. There you go. Uh, but before we move on from from Dark Man, just a couple of uh, of things. Uh, one of the biggest things about Dark Man was its marketing. Uh, the Who is Dark Man posters and marketing uh, spiel was Raimi credits a lot of the movie success to the marketing. And I, for one, can remember the Who is Dark Man posters because I was like, who the fuck is Dark Man? And then you go see the movie and it's like, oh, it's that. Uh, and, <laughs> and the movie also screened very terribly with some of the audience members saying that it was had one of the worst endings they had ever seen. What? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't I get that the either. Ending. The ending's fine to me. I thought it was. It was a little bit too like. It was almost Marvelish, and it was like or Marvel MCU ish in the way that it was like I'm gonna be back. Is it? Am, am I forgetting something? It's basically the ending of Spider Man One, right? Yeah, yeah. basically. Like, it's like we can't be together. Yeah, yeah, I have I have too much of a job to do. <laughs> what, whatever I've gone that too is. Far. Yeah. I'm a monster. Yeah, now. like I like the ending. If we're gonna, I don't know if you want to pivot away from the marketing yet. No, go ahead. Especially through the lens through which we're watching these movies now is like this. 
strange connective tissue to the modern superhero, which Raimi did later with Spider-Man, reinvigorating the Marvel brand. It's still under Fox at that point, right? It was under Sony. 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 It's still, I mean, Spider-Man's still under Sony. Excuse me, yeah, yeah. under Sony. Um, but this will probably dovetail nicely when we start to dive into Evil Dead, but like, it was almost like this nice wink that when he puts on his new skin as he scurries away in horror from... Francis McDormand, he puts on his his reconstructed skin, and it's Bruce Campbell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is like another like meta wink of like first you're accepting Darkman as a superhero, even though we never call him Darkman. Yeah, it's in the title, <laughs> okay. but it's also like as Pat pointed out in his manifesto, where it's these are inadvertent heroes that we would never readily associate with heroism because mm-hmm. they can also be assholes and really. They're almost like the original anti-heroes, like before Tony Soprano became like the the uh, archetype for that. Yeah. But like, it was almost like, hey, that other guy that made me a well-known auteur, that that Ash fellow, that's a superhero too, and we're yeah. continuing this lineage through these really broken, kind of fucked up guys, which I thought was a really um, nice touch. Going off that ending, it was really cool seeing this movie at two very different points in my life. Because when <laughs> I was a kid, I was like, oh, he's just like a random guy now he can be anybody but then after i saw it with the lens of knowing sam's other movies and like being a big fan of evil dead yeah i didn't know it was bruce campbell like i couldn't, oh, yeah, I couldn't remember because yeah, yeah. i was a kid yeah i was like oh he's just some guy and then he turns around and i almost like lost my mind i was like holy shit bruce campbell was yeah. in this movie yeah. the whole time and i didn't know it because i don't know i just thought it was really no it's good. so great it's i, I I, I just want to say it's so fucking funny that he tried to like hype Darkman like, <laughs> prior to the movie coming out. Like, who is Darkman? Like, it tried to make you feel like, oh, should I know? Like, the only other person who I can remember doing this is Master Shake on Aqua Teen Hunger Force <laughs> when, he, he, when he tried to become a hero called the Drizzle and he like put up who is the Drizzle posters. That might have been it. That might yeah, have been a link might, to that. I'm now I'm now thinking like I wonder if that is what that was. Uh, but these were like billboards that went up, or I mean, I don't think that maybe they went up in Los Angeles at the time. I don't think any of us lived here, but it was just he Shake was putting them up in this episode of Aqua Teen. No, but with the Dark Man, like with yeah, the, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know they were everywhere. Was, that's really funny. no. I remember seeing them as a kid in the theater, and I was like, "Who? Who is Dark Man, dude?" It's so <laughs> funny to like look at marketing in a pre-internet world. How like just so desperate it was. I mean, it's even more desperate now because they like sort of like tailor these things for virility viralness whatever now back then it was just like we're gonna like rub two sticks together and like create some sort of anticipation (laughs) more times than less who the fuck is dark (laughs) i really wish someone would do that like i feel like like why not why not like instead of having fucking aquaman and justice league and and bvs how about you just do who is aquaman a lot of people hate aquaman a lot of people think he's lame just as a character just as a character yeah it's like yeah but why don't they do something like uh kind of Counterculture to that is kind of create a, a whole marketing around the fact that people hate Aquaman instead of making this. And I know, like, we haven't seen the movie, but I know it's going to be like super semi serious. And I, I feel like a lot of the, the ways that these movies are marketed now are like really samey. And I and I, yeah. I have to applaud Darkman's the yeah. way they did that in the '90s with, with, with doing who was Darkman because it, it kind of got a lot of people like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. Now, if you did it today, it'd be like. No one gives a shit. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a Tommy Wiseau thing, actually. Yeah. Like, oh, sure. you, like, you expect people to, like, interpret, like, your work is important immediately. Yeah, yeah and it just wouldn't work in today's, uh, like, just marketing blitzkrieg where everything has to reference one another, and it's just this, like, 
death spiral of narrative that you know Marvel is doing at the moment that you know we don't have to get into Star Wars too. Anyway, <laughs> let's yeah. no let, more of these movies, right? Let's just, go just for a little bit, right, guys? Let's go eleven years back. Let's go eleven years yeah. back. So yeah, that was a perfect jumping point because the last face you see in Dark Man is the face of the character. Not related. Just who was barely a, who is barely a character in the first movie yeah, it, it, <laughs> in it, a lot it, of ways. Avatar, but it's played by Bruce Campbell, who was Ash from The Evil Dead. The series. Evil Dead. Yes, nineteen eighty one. Sam Raimi's first feature. First feature film. Yes, based off a short. Right? Yes, uh, The Evil Dead. Uh, it was released in 1981, of course. Uh, I, I want to come to this movie because I want to ask this question. Uh, as we talked about Darkman, but we go back because I believe that there is something more important here, more special here. There is a connected tissue between all of Sam Raimi's heroes, and his name is Ash. I think so. Um, do you guys believe that uh, Ash is the prototypical Raimi superhero? I mean, he has humble beginnings that, from what we know. Uh, he goes through loss, and his rebirth kind of sparks a massive change in his character in the end, especially in the second movie. But do you believe him to be like a prototypical Raimi superhero. I, I would love to like make that a thing because I don't feel like there are enough movies to do that. Hmm. I don't like. Are you saying like he's kind of like one of the early superheroes? Yeah, he's a prototype. I, I mean, I would say that's totally accurate. I mean, obviously they'd made other movies that would seem similar to superhero movies, uh, but I think Evil Dead is a pretty cool example of like regular guy gets thrown into a situation and then more or less, uh, even though he's kind of a jackass uh gets superpowers or at least is the only his superpower is he's the only person who can stop this yeah yeah. uh and then there is a trilogy of movies out of that uh i can't i just i don't know am i blanking on other trilogies that were happening at the time i mean like star wars i guess had had happened but luke was never unlikely like luke yeah there was his destiny it it does follow like a superhero-esque arc yeah and in particular it follows the arc of the Sam Raimi superhero. Yeah. It, it follows the same arc as a dark man. Yeah. Or a spider. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, Luke is eventually disfigured as well. Yeah. With his, uh, Hand. So, I, I I mean, we don't have to really, like, s- s- we can spare the details here. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen Evil Dead uh, 1, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. But essentially, and this is going to be weird for people who haven't seen it, the Evil Dead is pretty simple premise. Uh, a bunch of teenagers go into a cabin. They find the Book of the Dead, the Necronomicon. Yep. Some asshole reads the fucking book. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and well, the evil play comes. Audio tape, they, right? they play audio yeah. tape. Oh, yeah, like they, the previous owner who had been there. Yeah. And uh, they a lot of weird shit happens. A tree... Sexually assaults a woman in the, in both movies. We'll I believe. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, some the the has ki- not aged well. The kills are batshit crazy uh, in a lot of it. Uh, the villain is basically like a an anonymous gang of demons. <laughs> yeah, uh, like a legion of hell spawn. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and any you know the you you can and and know. of course uh, well, the one thing I did. Uh, I don't know if I liked it, but I did appreciate it about the first Evil Dead before we go to the second one, which I believe is is the superior film and one of my favorite films of all time, was that there are a bunch of teenagers in this movie and you don't give a fuck about any of them. <laughs> and you're wondering, because you, you would think in the movie, like, it's going to be uh, Ash's other friend, the, the blonde oh, guy. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the one that was going to survive and Ash would die. Right. But it ends up being the pussy, Ash, who ends up like, making it out alive at the end of the night. He has to kill his girlfriend, kill all of his friends and make it out of the, make it out of the house. Um, excellent fucking I mean I still think for what Raimi had at, at the time still a great movie uh, what say you guys 
Uh, yeah, the the first one is great. I mean, the the pr- it's a pretty good ex- like compared to the other shit that was coming out, where like a group of teenagers gets killed or you know teenagers, <laughs> mid twenty year olds, whatever the hell. Uh, it it's great and it's unsettling because Ash does have to kill a lot of them because yeah. they get like possessed by demons, right. uh, and then they try to kill him, and then he <laughs> kills them. Uh, you know, so it's 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 not like. It's not the same thing as, like, a bunch of people are fighting off uh, Leatherface or fighting off yeah. Jason or fighting off Freddy. Like, they're, they're – he's fighting off his friends who have had their lives, you know, and bodies decimated by uh, yeah. embodiment, embodiments of evil. Which I think adds a, a slick – I mean, there's not much interiority going on here, but it does add an emotional thread to it when it's like, yeah, they're not just fighting off a faceless ghoul like Jason or Freddy or whatever. It's – there is a bond between these two and you're watching yeah. – well, it is shot in a way that is a lot of black humor, and it's very slapsticky at times. Like these kills are rough, and this guy has to like dispatch very intimately his best friends <laughs> yeah. one by one. It's like that's if you really think about it, it's fucked up. How many people does Ash kill in the first one? Like one, because his friend uh, chops up his girl, his own girlfriend. Right. He kills his girlfriend. He, he kills three people. He kills three. Yeah, Ash kills. Okay, he has to. Yeah, because the the one part where he's like holding the axe, I was like, yeah, I remember why I didn't like Ash's character in this movie because it was like. It was just, it was he was an asshole, but it was like I didn't feel like his redeeming factor. His redeeming factor was like I'm the only one left. Yeah, not that I learned anything. It, I mean, it's a it's a, not a traditional movie. But uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. and I guess we'll get to that in the second one. Yeah. Which uh, let's just talk about the second one because yeah. to me there isn't much to talk about with the first with the first Evil Dead. Other I think than, you kind of have to talk about them hand in hand because they're yeah. well. The second one something happened along the way. Yeah, with the, the second one. The second Ant one is. Uh, Again, this is why Justin said it would be weird if you hadn't seen it, uh, is because it's more or less a remake of the first one. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of treats the first one as though it happened, but not really. Uh, <laughs> there's a, I don't want to cut you off. No, I mean, I, there's no real good way to say it. Yeah, there's I feel a, there's like. a brief, almost like preamble that <laughs> it's like a uh, retelling of what happened. 10 seconds later because that's where the movie picks up. The yeah. sequel picks up right where the first one ended. But and then so you see a reenactment of everything with like different actors. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, <laughs> they, write, they write his friends out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just him and his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a more, it's like another like fuck you from Raimi. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's leaning more into the body. This is more, far more a broader comedy horror than a, than a horror comedy. It's, I it's think. a horror comedy. Yeah. And Evil Dead 2 is a horror comedy. Evil Dead 1 is a horror movie that has comedic elements one like because humor, yeah. one because it, they had some black humor and two because they just didn't have money to make it a completely effective sure, horror sure, film. Yeah, the movie. Was, by the way, we forgot to mention premiered at Cannes, which is fucking amazing. <laughs> Imagine those tight. I did not know that. French I didn't know that. Just watching that movie. <laughs> did it? Did it win the Palme d'Or? Well, well, it, 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 well, you know, like because it has the uh, Stephen King quote. Yeah, well, that Stephen King gave it a huge boost, mm-hmm. but it has those like. Is it Giallo, Giallo, like the Argentine? Oh, yeah, Giallo, yeah. yeah the Giallo um, elements to it where it's like, there's it's almost like a sexploitation film. It's almost a body horror film. It's a psychological horror film. It has very Argento-esque. So I think Europeans love that shit. Yeah. So when that's like, what, 1981 that premieres, maybe late 1980 or whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah, it gets this huge push from Stephen King. Like, this is the best movie I've ever seen for yes. obvious reasons. It's super dank and wet and gory. Um 
Everything is wet in that movie. The production, the production design is incredible. Everything is wet. Oh there are God. literally rooms that fill up with blood in that yeah, in this it is movie. Wet ass movie. He bro. falls in the um, he falls in mud multiple yeah. times. Okay. Yeah, and then it did it. Yeah, I forget what the budget is. I think it, it took him ninety k to produce it, but then they got some funding. Yeah. Um, I want to say I want to say ballpark like three hundred k something like that. Yeah, and then. You know, grossed only two million in America, but overseas it did like thirty, which yeah. is like further proof that Europeans love these very and it's yall- a yallo films. And it's a bigger movie, yeah. uh, and and I think you know we'll, we'll talk about this with Spider Man Two as well. I mean, like Sony greenlit that for two hundred million, like the first weekend. But with with Evil Dead Two, it was almost like it's a remake sequel where Romy Ramy says, "Man, fuck all this shit. I'm gonna redo it with but with more money," and it gets right to the fucking point. Yeah. But there are a lot of connective things with Evil Dead Two that continued on to Dark Man and also continued on to the Spider Man series. And that these are very se- serious circumstances and serious things, but they also have a comedic edge to them. And Ramy handles them with such a flair that I've never seen a director do before. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, not to, I don't want to jump over Evil Evil Dead slash Evil Dead Two. But then when he kind of really fucking goes for it with Army yeah. of Darkness, which Evil, Evil Dead 3 is... So Evil Dead 1, Ash fights evil in a cabin. Evil Dead 2, oh, he does it again, and it's... I'm pretty sure it's different. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third one is uh, he's basically... Spoiler alert. He's basically uh, just back living in his shitty life. He only has one hand. He's, like, working as, like, a bag boy in a grocery store. S-Mart, baby. Uh, S-Mart, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually is, like, goes straight to the source on all this evil and is, like, teleported back to medieval times and mm-hmm. is fighting, like, a fucking skeleton army. Yeah. So Because they retconned the ending of two. Because the two oh, ends. Two yes, ends. Yes. Two ends there. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's yeah. daughter finishes the incantation. Yes. But at, I'm sorry. At, at yeah. his hand, who we chopped off earlier in the film, stabs his, her. Yeah, mm-hmm. his evil hand stabs her, but she gets the final words off, which sends the evil back to its source, which is 13 AD or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it also sucks um, Ash back with him. So yeah, yeah he winds up. So then, in like classic Raimi fashion, yeah. he like retcons it a little bit yeah. and like extends that and so <laughs> then Ash does end up back there anyway and you know fights an ancient evil army but actually back in time I love how it feels like he's still um, figuring it out yeah with the trilogy thing yes and, and I, that's what I loved about the Evil Dead series as a whole is that he might not get it perfect but it, when he does get into it, it it does feel like a cohesive movie at least sure sure but I, I, I really the, like uh, I really like the lead. Yeah, even worse. Yeah. yeah, it's the the black humor and sort of a broad slapstick that Raimi sort of would undercut the brutality of his scenes with is not there at all in Fetty Alvarez's. It's it is hard to watch. Yeah, that aforementioned it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, that aforementioned tree scene, whereas I believe it's Linda, the character goes out and um, Mia. Is Mia. Mia is it Mia, Mia in the in the remake? In the remake, Mia. Yeah, I think it's Linda in the original, but. Uh, yeah, she when the wet, when the woods possess her and the, the spirits uh, conjure within her literally penetrate her with tree roots and branches and vines in a very graphic and unnecessary way. It's it's a cinematic misstep, one that isn't as rough in Raimi's because it doesn't last as long and he's more creative with his camera. I think that you know more is left to the imagination, which none of us need that in our imagination. But going back to our. Uh Examination of Sam Raimi heroes, even though Sam didn't direct uh, the Evil Dead remake, he was still a very big part. 
and executive producer, right? Yeah, and uh, Mia is a actual Rami hero. Uh, she starts off as like this heroin addict. They're all going to the cabin to help her detox. Uh, she is like first infected with the evil. She becomes like a deadite. She gets all disfigured and crazy. Then she dies, comes back to life. This is a badass. Loses her arm uh, and still like manages to kill like her doppelganger. Yeah, really. her doppelganger. <laughs> so it's like that same like thing. Like it's the same kind of archetype of heroes even in the that remake. I, I dug it. Wait, I loved it. There, there's a doppelganger in the Fetty? Yeah. yeah. She's got like an evil doppelganger. Another wink to evil Ash in Army of Darkness. Remember the mirror? Yeah. Or oh. symbiote Peter Parker. <laughs> there's a lot of ongoing themes about like split identities, split personalities, uh, uh, a, a fractured psychology that a fractured Ra- personality that yeah that Raimi really likes to fuck with and fuck with us and we are going to talk about all of the fractured personalities identities and person and, and and really just like all the fucked up things that Peter Parker does to his girlfriend over this the course of three <laughs> movies some very troubling uh, gender politics uh, uh, we're going to take a really quick break we'll be right back with late fees go get your popcorn go refill your popcorn refill your drinks we'll be right back with late fees on RC Radio. Yo, it's my man MC, and I'm taking a break from my 12th Scorpion session of the day to inform you of the season finale of RSPN that drops today. Hosted by myself, the Platinum Chanel boy himself, and our special guests for the week, OG Johnny Five, Meals TV, the stars of VA Show. We've got NBA awards to discuss, the aura of Los Angeles as many free agents have their views set to Hollywood, along with ideas on how we would end Space Jam 2 whenever that drops. Tune in and find out. It's episode 20 of RSPN here on the RNC Radio Network. And welcome back to Late Fees. We're still here chilling in the video store. Of course, it is uh, your host, Justin, me, that is me, uh, with Pat, Eric, and Wes. And we just wrapped up. Yeah. Uh, the Evil Dead trilogy section of the Sam Raimi episode, uh, talking about really the first superhero and the first superheroes that he created uh, in lieu of creating or recreating or redefining a hero that we all love in Spider-Man. Uh, and we're going to get into the Spider-Man trilogy, which is something that it's a trilogy that I, I, I feel as though it, as the years have passed and, and gone by, I feel like a lot of people have not respected as much as they should. Uh, it deserves the if you like these movies, you are welcome from Spider Man. Yeah, I I just feel like as as years went went on, of course we had the Dark Knights and the Batman Begins, and of course we've had the MCU's pop up, but like I, I don't get I don't see a lot of love for Spider Man two anymore like we used to. Do you think it's because of the sour reaction to Mark Webb's Amazing Spider Man that sort of like <laughs> uh, buried that like yeah, they, buried the goodwill that. These pre-Marvel Sony movies or uh, Spider-Man movies um, generated under Raimi's watch. I, I do think that there is an issue of "What have you done for me lately?" ism going on with these movies, where it's like people disrespect, you know, Tobey Maguire because his Spider-Man was emotional and he cried, and I was like, "But guys, you know, in the comics, like he cried a lot in the comics too. Like it, he was, he was a really emotional guy." But like in in the end, these these tri- this trilogy really kind of set the stage for superhero movies to become a zeitgeist and become the conversation piece. Uh, they broke so many records. I mean. Spider-Man Two alone, cr- crushing the July Fourth record uh, when it when it dropped in two thousand four, yeah. 
it's it's a movie. It's, I mean, these are movies that even when we saw the first one, we couldn't wait to see the second one. These are movies yeah. that we wanted to see. We want to see the lizard. We want to see Doctor Octopus. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got some of them, but we didn't get them all. But I think this is the culmination of Sam Raimi's dedication to creating his perfect superhero. Yeah, I I think the only thing that you could say is maybe a little bit before these Spider-Man movies, but did not achieve the same thing on any level, uh, is uh, the X-Men yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, were they still Brian Singer? I know. They, they, they were. were, they were, they were, they were it was Singer, Singer, Ratner. and then Ratner, Ratner. baby. Uh, so we can kind of just get rid all of all of those shit. movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, all yeah, pieces well, of fuck shit. Fuck those motherfuckers. Get them the fuck uh, But it's funny because... Uh, X-Men is, you can kind of look at like, like how TV has been popularized now and you have, uh, you kind of have like Oz and the Sopranos and the Wire. Yeah. You can kind of look at X-Men, Spider-Man and Batman and X-Men, Spider-Man and Batman are all funny because the third movie in each is widely regarded as being kind of bad yeah. in two of their cases, an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> and in the cases of, of Batman, one that people just kind of don't talk about as much but there and there are two i think with batman there are like there are really two trilogies kind of there's a fourth one yeah, in there yeah. but it was like batman forever we, we saw batman forever a couple months ago yeah, guys which yeah. you guys really I, actually, I wanted to, to mention this uh <laughs> quick tangent uh during uh there are uh sets on dark man that look straight out of batman like forever Terry yeah yeah uh, which Gonzo. is pretty awesome uh so the the, the there were, you know, there was some cross-pollination with those that was sure. nice. Um, but what Spider-Man did that, that X-Men didn't was, first off, the, the movies are better. The filmmaking is better. Mm-hmm. The, the scripts are better. They, they broke more records. The bag was bigger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I remember uh, Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man was one of the first movies that I saw where I desperately wanted to see the sequel yeah. and like yeah. it not yeah. the seat like I was it was it was so young when it came out that I was like ooh are they ever actually like gonna get together like yeah. this is horrible that like they didn't end up together at the end of the movie like what the hell was he thinking and it was uh, a similar effect that uh, the same exact thing uh, happened at the end of uh, Half-Blood Prince uh, and I was similarly upset uh, with Harry as I was with <laughs> uh, with Peter <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the I consider uh, the Spider-Man. I'll say the Spider-Man trilogy to be uh, the the movies, the superhero movies, and I guess therefore Hollywood as it exists right now would not exist without uh, this trilogy. And I think the first two movies are just absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think Spider-Man Two is probably regarded as one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. I still hear that. Not maybe not as vocally, but. That is usually the, the consensus that I and hear. I uh, controversial opinion. Oh boy, I actually prefer Spider Man One. I love One. Uh, Even hotter take. Um, that's team, a super hot take. I'm, yeah. I'm Team Three, and we'll get into that later. You're wow, shit. shit. Um, <laughs> let's get, get into it, baby. Uh, me and Eric are gonna have a fist fight. This in a is the part minutes. of the podcast where we turn on each other every time. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. Well, let's, 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 let's start with. Yeah. Okay. So I think Spider Man One is actually a perfect origin story film. Uh, and a lot of people hate on origin stories. I actually really like them. In 2002, it was good. We needed them. We we weren't going back to the same well in 2010. Yeah, I love 
Peter Parker's origin story. I hate that it's been done like a thousand times now. Mm-hmm. Like when right. they did that shit again in Amazing Spider-Man, so I was they, like, what are you doing? Um, I mean, the scene though at the wrestling match uh, <laughs> is the a little hokey. Uh, it's hokey, but, but everything Raimi does is kind of hokey. Yeah. To, well, not everything, but ho- and that scene is so him too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the, the the guy, the like he, he Macho he, Man he, Randy Savage, and he R. lets R. he lets the guy run right past him. He, he repeats the "I missed the part where that's my problem" yeah. line. Uh, it's 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 great. Yeah. It's, it's really uh, so sorry. Yes, I yeah. as I, an origin story, it's fantastic. I really like Spider Man One. I, I I recognize its faults. Like uh, Green Goblin looks terrible. Uh, they shouldn't have given him a helmet like that. Shouldn't have killed him. Well, I, I'm okay with that because that happens. They, in the that boxed him in. That has, it happens in the comics, and I love that scene. I love the "Don't Tell Harry." I yeah. love yeah. I, I love the ending of that movie so much. I love that scene. I love Harry catching him with the body. I love the scene with Mary Jane in the cemetery and him like not getting with her is so ballsy for a movie like that. It was yeah, it was hard to um, watch, but it's great. And then um, Macy Gray's in that movie. Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, issues with the movie, but I really, really like it. She and had, she had a great early alts run: Training Day, Spider Man. Yeah, she was doing it. Um, and then, she, and then we never saw we never saw her again. But yeah. saying that, right, well, I like her songs. <laughs> Oh, I, I recognize Christ. I recognize that Spider-Man 2, even though I like Spider-Man 1 more, I prefer Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2 is a better film. It's Raimi's masterpiece mm. as far as I'm concerned, like in terms of filmmaking, in terms of like what he did, like with that scope and like, I don't know, it's, it's an incredible piece of filmmaking. I saw it. Uh, I had a great fucking villain too, man. Yeah, no, Doc Ock, Doc is, Ock great. is great. Alfred Molina is great. Um, I saw that movie uh, maybe a year ago at the New Bev, which is this local uh, Los Angeles. Uh, we know what the New Bev is, well, Wes. <laughs> well, I'm just, I don't know who all listens to our podcast. It's but a repertory if, theater here in LA. Yeah, if you're in LA, it's an art house theater. It's been closed for a couple of months. Come back, New Bev. We miss you. Uh, I saw Spider Man 2 screen at New Bev. And it was a double feature with another movie. I can't remember what the first one was. I came for the other movie, and I was like, I'll stay for the first five minutes of Spider-Man 2. Then you came I, for I, Spider-Man, right? I, <laughs> I, stayed, I stayed the whole time, and I actually, uh, I mean, I, I cried during the, uh, the train sequence. I think that sequence is incredible, and it's perfect. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get yeah. to that scene. We're going to get to that scene, because there are two, I have two monumental problems with that movie, even though I think it's perfect. I got some problems with the movie, too. We'll go into that. But, uh, but uh, you noted, you said that, Spider-Man 2 was Remy's masterpiece. He also made a lot of money on this movie. Uh, with a $200 million budget, this movie made $115 million on the opening weekend. Crushed Spider-Man Part 1, and it grossed $783 million altogether, which might seem a little bit small in the in the world of Infinity War and shit like that. Which but insane. Yeah. It that, shouldn't be that way. But that's but, another story. I mean, knowing nothing at the time, it was still fucking insane how much money yeah. this movie was making. Yes. And then, I mean, and I said to say this, this guy was making movies for ninety dollars to $300,000 and, you know, just, you know, 10 years or, or 12 some years prior, his movie, his superhero movie that he created on his own only had an $8 million opening weekend and now he is literally, the, he was on top of the world at that point. Right. And, I know we want to get more into the psychology and sort of through line of his heroes and, and that we see in Spider-Man back to Ash and Darkman. But I, I was curious. I, I really don't know this. I'm sure you guys do because you're a little more invested in superhero movies than I am. But like what – we hadn't really seen Raimi, as you said, in this sort of scope and yeah. scale. 
the mo- two movies he did before Spider-Man were a small baseball movie with Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. and then my favorite Sam Raimi movie, uh, Simple Plan, which is like a neo-noir thriller, tiny shoestring budget. But then all of a sudden, yeah, we don't really have time to go into a Simple Plan on this on this episode because it's really drastically different from these movies yeah. that we're discussing. So uh, much so that I thought it was Sam Mendes who directed Mendes, <laughs> Mendes who directed it this whole time. Like it, during during research, it dawned on me that one of my favorite movies was by Sam Raimi. But if if you have not seen a Simple Plan, uh, it's Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Fonda. Yeah, and it's. It's like a really. Uh, I say this to. Uh, I say this often, but is they don't. It's like one of those. They don't make them like that anymore. Movies. It yeah. is a great, great fucking '90s movie. Just you gotta inside. see it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. So you oh, have yep. no excuses. I know you have Amazon Prime. Tight, lean, like really, really gut punchy thrill. Uh, almost uh, a take on a thr- uh, heist thriller, but a lot quieter. Almost in like a, a Coen Brothers kind of way, but not like Mad Cappy. It's. It's it's uh, it's the good stuff. Yeah. But we, yeah, we we can't really get into anyway, it. Future episode we'll probably talk about. Yeah. But you were you were saying that uh, like, Remy well, goes from the small to the big. Yeah, but like you know, he was sort of just handed the keys to the to the Sony Kingdom, and it, it and he showed improved and rightfully so. But I, I don't know, was there any sort of did he do something or come to the table with anything that were like, okay, you just did this tiny baseball movie with, with Kevin Costner and now we want you to direct a $200 million. Well, well so many people, I believe, and I can be corrected here, uh, Cameron was attached at first. Oh, yeah. James Cameron was attached. There's a script for that. Uh, and there's a script for that, but there were so many, the movie just wasn't happening. And it wasn't happening with all of these big directors that, that they had on, on the plate. Uh, I believe Raimi is a huge Spider-Man fan or was a fan of, of yeah. Spider-Man when he was a kid. Uh, they really enjoyed, you know, his, uh, his script, but he wanted to change up certain things because I believe Doctor Octopus was supposed to be in the first movie as well, yep. and they didn't want to do a third origin story. So Sony really liked the, the way that he his Peter Parker was characterized, which is interesting because his Peter Parker is essentially Ash and Darkman uh, yeah. all, all together. He basically took that archetype, added it to Peter Parker, who was already created, and made Peter into his own superhero essentially. Yeah, and, I mean, in having made. The, the Evil Dead trilogy and Darkman, he, budget or not, was very well prepared to be making this movie. Yeah, more than we thought. Yeah, and, and I thought that that was interesting. Even as even as we talk about it, you know, a decade later and twenty years after, um, you know, a lot of his biggest movies, thirty years after his biggest movies, really, or his, or his earliest movies, yeah. it's crazy just to see how he kind of took that same formula. And, and really did it all over again with Spider-Man. And Spider-Man 2 definitely, like... With a pre-existing property, which yeah. he hadn't done before. And, and he was unproven at that point, I would say. I like, mean, with that much money. I mean, yeah. Yeah, all he had was Darkman, which is a completely <laughs> different movie. Yeah. I mean, he, was, he... It's weird to think of him in this light now, after all the, you know, goodwill and, and sort of iconic films that he has produced. But, like, he was sort of a... He like teetered on the edge of a cult director, but also mainstream. Yeah. And, then and now has really never is neither. Yeah. In a lot of ways, he's now he's still much more of a cult director than anything else. I think but so. But then he'll pop up and do Oz the Great and Powerful in 2013. You know, it's, which is terrible. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I didn't see that. I didn't see it, but it, it, it's. I'm sure it has its moments, but like it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I purposely did not watch that. So to me, Sam Raimi's still perfect. Yeah. To me. So like it, it is really interesting to see him who cut his teeth with these really dark, fractured characters, as we were talking about, and sort of inject that DNA into the boyest boy of comic books, Spider-Man, yeah. you know, this, like, Peter Parker family-friendly sort of 
um, world and this universe that he built. Yeah, he he, he sort of uh, like thinking back on it, like he sort of um, injected that sort of anti-hero. Like it wasn't so much evident in Peter Parker, but like he laid the the DNA of what we would later see in like Tony Stark, sort of like mm-hmm. walks the line of unlikable, but ultimately he's our hero, so we do. His Peter didn't have quips. A lot of people didn't like that when these movies came out. He didn't joke around a lot. He he did every now and then, but they weren't very good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like that was kind of like well, I the get, premium I, wasn't put on it yet because I think Downey made that sort of the cultural capital. Yeah, yeah. and like he was supposed to be like a little bit of like a a fast talking character. Like that's sure, one of the sure, reasons yeah. that uh, that uh, Deadpool oh. is supposed to be is such a fucking motor mouth character is yeah. because he's a. A, a spice, literally like a, a Spider-Man meets uh, Deathstroke. Yeah. Uh, so another strange Raimi connection. I know Deadpool already existed before uh, Raimi made these movies, but just a burn victim coming back and sort of just inexplicably being taken back by his girlfriend. And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of dark man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Raimi's everywhere, baby. Uh, but yeah, the uh, how, how did you guys feel about uh, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker slash Spider-Man? Dude, character. I, I actually like him. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's in a way. Like, I think Tom Holland is probably the best Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But that rock and bod. <laughs> I mean, like, just like personality-wise, it's like yes, yeah. oh, the Peter from the comic books. But mm-hmm. like, for me, my movie Spider-Man, I think, is Tobey Maguire. That's that's what I grew up with, and I I rewatched Spider-Man two for this podcast, and he's still great. Like, yeah. he's 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 our guy. He's uh, like, yeah, I mean, in the first movie, he's. But like many, many movies of that era, and this is only really recently something that's been corrected at all. He's old as shit. (laughs) He's not in fucking high school. None of those people are in high school. We know they're 30. He was in his late 20s. They tried a similar thing with Garfield, but Garfield actually like sort of has a more boy's charm. McGuire looks like a fucking man. Garfield was... I like Bill, Bill Murray. Yeah. It's a CGI. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, bless Garfield's heart. He tried his best in those movies. I don't like him. I I I don't like him. I think all. the only good thing about those. I mean, not the only good thing. I didn't see those movies for a long time because I love the Raimi movies so so much. Yeah. I thought his, the chemistry with him and Emma Stone was pretty good. I was going to say the same they, thing. Uh, the the, the were they? Yeah, so. yeah, they were. Yeah. The the look of the movies is is very Shit, bad. It's, bad. Uh, it's very very terrible. It's, it's so painful to go from Sam Raimi, who was just like the most high energy, like kinetic, yeah, talented master of the camera to the guy that directed Five Hundred Days of Summer. Okay, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty great though that his last name is Webb. That's uh, literally why yeah. they hired him. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's oh yeah, it's he really, had a popular movie and his name is Webb. It's weird, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, other than the, his age in the first movie, which I, I don't really actually even care about, it's just no. funny. Yeah. Um, I think I think he's fantastic. I think the casting all around is is some of the best casting that's ever been done in, yeah, in a superhero really good movie. ensemble cast. Uh, even Flash, who plays Flash, Joe. Uh, Yes, yes, yeah. Joe Man- Mangel- Mangelino. Mangelino. The guy Deathstroke. Was, the guy who played Deathstroke? Yeah, yeah. 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 Sophia Vergara's guy. In, in what's he Spider-Man is one? Flash, looking like this. Is he that, <laughs> is he that Diesel in that, too? He's, uh, no, he, he's he's Diesel for the time. He's not yeah. like He doesn't have a beard. He doesn't have a beard. That's why you probably wouldn't notice him. Yeah. His beard is like the he most recognized. He doesn't have a beard and he has thing. like Jersey Shore hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he still kind of has but, it. But back on Toby, there are a couple of scenes in Spider-Man 2 in specific. Uh... Where he's actually asked to like basically 
do Oscar-worthy acting here. And Dude. he has to carry this movie because there are two big scenes in the movie that really require him to do like the brunt of all the work. The subway scene that, that Wes mentioned and my personal favorite, the identity scene where he actually showed where Mary Jane sees who he is and he takes his mask off. And, I mean, that's not even mentioning, like, there's surprisingly, like, for, a, like, a blockbuster summer film, that film has, like, some crazy raw emotional scenes uh-huh. with, like, uh, Aunt May. The Aunt yeah. May scene is when amazing. He, when he, like, admits that, like, Uncle Ben is dead because of him and yeah. she fucking steps away. Yeah. And then she goes upstairs without saying a word. That shit hit me like a sledgehammer. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like she's, holy shit. What is, the, what is the name of that actress? I mean, she's... Rosemary Harris, She's. I, I mean, again, uh, I guess we're now going with, like, Marissa Tomei is, is Aunt May. <laughs> but uh, that, that was... Ridiculous recasting, yeah. by the way. I mean, I thought, uh, to me, she was... Like, the only exposure I'd had down maybe before that was in, like, the the cartoon, like, the really 90s one. Uh, And she was that, like, that, she was, like, a a comic book old aunt without being, like, a a stupid, ridiculous character. She's so emotional. The scene when she's at the bank uh, in the one is great. Uh, When she, I think it's in the first one, I mean, it's it's hard for me to differentiate the smaller moments in the first two at this point because I've seen both of them so many times. But the moment when she says, like, you take this money. Like, it's not a lot of money. Oh, my God. It's so, it's so good. It's so raw. And then there's that scene. It's a weird scene. It's real weird for a movie like this, but... Peter imagines himself in the car with Uncle Ben in heaven. It yeah. Looks like. Oh yeah. And it's like super emotional. They're both crying, and he's like, "I can't do it anymore, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't do it anymore." This movie is supposed to sell toys, and I just <laughs> every time I was watching it, I it's was a like, "Movie about breaking Peter Parker down." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You know what? Spider Man being Spider Man fucking sucks. I want to get laid. I want to be a person. I want to have friends." Fuck yeah. Spider-Man. That's a crazy he can't premise. Even, he can't even hold down the pizza delivery job. No, he can't, because he can't hold he's down Spider-Man. Anything. He's literally beating, getting beat down for an hour and a half, which is probably why I don't like the movie as much. It's not as fun to see a guy it's depressing. just beat yeah. down. And like the first one is like he's getting powers and he's becoming cool and it's more fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. But this one, it's just like, I'm going to beat you down to your core okay. and you're going to quit. But it does have that moment that leads up to the greatest gag in any superhero movie, which is when he gets his, his mojo back in uh-huh. Spider-Man 2 and he's he starts swinging from the web and he's screaming, I'm back. And then he falls <laughs> and he hits like the side of a building, the side of a – it is a horrible, horrible fall. He and died. then he lands on a dumpster and he guts up hobbling and he's like, my back. You know, what, it, you know what that scene has parallel to? Evil Dead 2, when Ash gets hit by the, the spirit and he's flying all through the, the forest, he hits the tree, yes. falls back down. Yes. Yeah. He, he, he comes yeah. right back. Do you know there's an inside joke in that scene? What is, uh, he, he's saying, my back, my back. Yeah. Tobey Maguire had serious back issues leading up to Spider-Man 2 to the point where he was going to be recast with Jake Gyllenhaal. Who is, I, Jake is like the go-to. Like, if your superhero and not working, yeah. they call Jake yeah. over. Because now it's like they're, they're saying he's supposed to be the new Batman. And it's like, just, well, just give him or something. Or Mysterio. He's, he's cast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's Mysterio. Is that official? Yeah. yeah. I think it's official. Yeah. So, I, until uh, he backs out. Good luck with that <laughs> until they find somebody better. Uh, one thing, I, before we go to Spider-Man 3, which is going to be super divisive, uh, one thing I did love about uh, Spider-Man 2, the ending shot. I, I love how these 
movies all go into each other. They all flow into each other. Yeah. Every single credit scene has scenes from the last movie, and the third one culminates all of the credit sequences. I love Mary Jane's look, like of uncertainty, oh, and, and I was it's like, she dark. was like, she was like, mm, I'm not really, really sure. They really <laughs> twist it because she's like, go, go, go. She, I think she says, go get him, Tiger. Yeah, and like the, great. you know, and it's and she. I think we should take a brief moment to pause. She is fan fucking tastic. Yeah. Uh, even in the third movie that like is very dumb. She didn't have much uh, to work with. No, the third but movie. she's she's it's she's good. She, yeah. she brings it home in every one of these. And I don't think the third movie's problems. Again, we'll get to this in a second. Are based in acting 100 of the time. Uh, but the uh, the look that she gives that goes from like go get him tiger to like I know I just said yes to this, but what the fuck did I sign up for? Yeah. Is like ah oh, damn. And it plays it, it. It kind of plays itself out a little bit in three, but not in the way that I feel like Sam Raimi wanted. No, it to. it's not. I mean, it's basically three. Kind of has the same ending, except they're like dancing together. Yeah, but it's more terrible. Of, like, it's a, it's a bad ending, but like it's it, the only reason it's kind of acceptable is because you're like, I guess you're kind of now back to the uncertain place you were from, like the horrible place you just yeah. went. But it, but there was no closure there, but. Let's go into Spider-Man 3. Can I say, like, two things before we do it? Go yeah, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I just got to get Folks, across. Wes, this is Wes's crown jewel, so <laughs> I'm seeding my time for, for Wes. Uh, before we move on from Spider-Man 2, I just want to say, like, two things that I, I really love about it. And uh, one is Danny Elfman's score. I think it's a really, really, really underrated score, and it's, like, magical. And I... I don't know. Like no one ever talks about it. I just I it's, think it's up great. there with Batman with Batman one to me. It's maybe not as memorable, but like it, it just stirs this like emotion in me. And like uh, growing up, when I was like a teenager, I I wasn't really into like like I wasn't into Lord of the Rings. I am more now. Like yeah. I like those movies now. But when I was when I was growing up, I was like I don't like it. And I didn't like Harry Potter at the time either. I was like, I didn't, you, like, I didn't like anything. You missed both of those things. I the did. Prime I did too. Bible. Actually, I guess all you guys I did. did. Yeah. I mean, you would have been the person who, who was, I think, most likely, were most inclined to like them anyhow. Yeah. But even like that age gap of like two to three years was like, uh, those things hit for me big. And I yeah. see why they didn't for, for all of Even back then, guys. I saw J.K. Rowling becoming the shit lib that she is today. Oh, God. All right. Keep all right. So, so Spider-Man to me, like I saw Spider-Man 1 and I was like, this is my... This is my thing. This yeah. is my Lord of the Rings. This is my Harry Potter. I am so hyped for Spider-Man 2. It's going to be fucking amazing. And I got so excited that, that we went opening day. With, my brother always went with me to these movies and uh, my friends. And I got so excited I actually made myself sick. <laughs> That's happened, that happened twice. It happened in this and it happened in the opening night of Sin City. Because I was real excited for Zen City. Uh, and, uh, a I, movie he now despises. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Um, and I had trouble breathing as, as that opening score came in. And I was like, I'm going to have a heart attack right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, was so, I, got, I had like a panic attack. I was so excited. I had like a panic attack. I got sick. And I actually didn't enjoy the first screening because I felt bad and I couldn't breathe right. So that's how like into this series I was. It's very important you know this going into Spider-Man three, uh, <laughs> and I don't know. I just that movie's amazing. Uh, Wes, we're, we're the, glad you're still with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad you're not dead I, here. <laughs> can we talk about though my favorite scene in that movie? I think the train scene is incredible, but the fucking hospital scene 
is an evil dead saint. It is. Oh, yes. yeah. It's, it's like Dark Man, and too. And me and my brother, me and my brother got really an evil dead. We really wanted to be like Sam and Ted Rainey growing up. <laughs> like, we, I thought we were both going to move to Hollywood and do all this stuff. And then, like... Explain to the folks who Ted is. Uh, Ted is Sam's brother, and they work together a lot. And he punches like he punches up scripts for him and stuff. Yeah, like and, and Ted is in most of his movies. He's in all the Spider-Man movies. He's in Dark Man. In Spider-Man, uh, for context, he's the guy who works for J. Jonah Jameson, who's always like sticking his head in, and then J. Jonah like quips and like shits on him. Yeah, <laughs> he's and the one with the glasses. I think I like grabbed his arm like during that scene, and I was like, "Oh my god." Oh my god, he's doing Evil Dead. He's doing <laughs> Evil Dead in Spider-Man. Wait, I couldn't believe it. it was the most excited I've ever been. There's those quick cuts, the quick zooms, yeah, the, the chainsaw. Yeah. Like it's a horror film and he yeah. snuck it into this big blockbuster. Yeah, it's good. the claws kill so many yeah. people. And I mean, I, yeah, I it's guess fucking brutal. Yeah, I guess I have to get a, a brief two thing off before we go to three, but the, uh, I'll be quick. Uh it is really uh I don't I I think that Molina is probably Second only to Joker uh, in terms of best villains. Uh, and he's he, all right. He's so <laughs> he's good. Really, he's all right. He's so good. I, f- I came out of that movie like after that last scene in the, at the pier or whatever, and I was like, uh, he, he was cool. It's, I, I didn't, he didn't last. He, he doesn't last like, for me. I don't like that. that he dies. Yeah, I don't think well, he, me either. I don't. It was, it was much more of a he should have lived. Like mm-hmm. I get why Goblin dies, but he's yeah. like he. I think he should have lived. He should have. Uh, he went out like a bitch too. He did, they did. The, the problem is, it's like one of those I hate things. His, I hate his, He goes no. <laughs> <laughs> he you know, people need to stop just having people scream no. Just don't <laughs> do it. It's already happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're dying. Also, it it has a thing where like it's not that convincing that like he needed to die. Yeah, like it, it's it's got the kind of like Titanic problem where you're like they couldn't have both. Gotten on the fucking yeah. door, like yeah. he didn't have like, but but uh, and also I mean yeah, in terms of like a masterpiece, there's not a, a wasted shot in the movie. Yeah. I mean it is, it's it is the, the fucking best. And uh, this just like you said, it's important to remember that through this through line and this um, sort of membrane that connects these heroes in this really roundabout way, where we know Spider Man's a hero because we've always known about Spider Man, but you see the. Um, you see personality traits and character tropes that were really subtle um, that sort of exist through through Ash, through Westlake, into Peter Parker, and that Raimi was able to fucking sort of Trojan horse them into the biggest blockbuster of the yeah. beginning of the millennium, yeah. which is like a testament to his, like, his, not just his screenwriting, screen, screenwriting, but his directing, too. He's, the dude is, uh, the dude is, Top notch. So we go from the absolute best <laughs> to the absolute worst. I, uh, I have a slight objections to that, but I'll let you. I'll let you start it off. I and let, me, let me just say, I saw Spider Man three the first night after me and my ex girlfriend broke up. Oh <laughs> man! And so we broke up right in the parking lot of the movie. So I went to go see the movie by myself. Minute, 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 minutes after. Like literally in the car, I was like, it was over. I walked in. You would have hated fucking uh, <laughs> Spider Man Two. Yeah, no, I would have loved Spider Man Two, but I knew something was wrong there. But I, I know that Spider Man Three is very, very, very hated or whatever film. I know us just talking about it, we will, we can take hours and hours and hours talking about this movie. But I have a more important question that I feel like is a lot better than us just shitting on this movie on all night. Do we blame Sam Raimi for Spider-Man 3? 
yes, he made the movie. <laughs> uh, and I think it would have... I, I blame Sam Raimi for the movie... I blame the movie on Sam Raimi. I don't blame him for doing it. Uh, from every, I haven't looked into this in a long time, but from what I know, he did not want to put Venom in the movie. He didn't want to make a movie with two villains. And despite the success of the first two, especially two, they told him to fuck off. He was doing two <laughs> villains, and he was doing Venom. I don't think the movie is very good, but I do think... That it's kind of overhated. Uh, yes, I think the scene. I think like the scene when P- this the probably the most hated scene in the trilogy when Peter has like the quote unquote emo hair and is like walking down the street dancing and snapping and pointing at people. I think that was Raimi like thumbing his nose at Sony and being like, "Totally, oh, I did it. Here's the fucking movie you wanted." <laughs> uh, and that doesn't make it a better movie, but that makes me appreciate the movie more. I do think uh, there's a decent movie buried in there, especially with Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why I said two villains. There are three uh, because Franco becomes the snowboard goblin. Uh, <laughs> uh, and again, it's not something I hate. And I remember even in the trilogy, that moment when he loses the ring uh, in midair, that sequence lo- looked really awesome. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, it was a disappointing movie. It starts. I mean, it goes for it in the first couple minutes. Like you, you couldn't really tell that it was going to be a bad movie because that first sequence with Harry and Peter fighting in the air yeah. and shit like that was really fucking awesome and yeah. brutal as fuck. I mean, there's some inspired stuff in there. I think that was like a re- residue of Spider-Man Two. Like Raimi still had the juice. So is it his fault? Well, it has to be his fault. I am less sour on it than you guys, only because I. I embrace the fact that you said he. this is him thumbing his nose at a machine that chewed him up and probably spit him out. We don't hear stories about it because it's not like the Joss Whedon dramatic departure or whatever. I think it was something like that. I mean, we have have to have a brief uh, mention of the canceled Spider-Man 4 at the end of this. Yeah. Uh, But... Yeah, there there was talks to be in that. Yeah, well, we can... Let's finish three and then... Yeah, so that's why I have a... I hold a special place for it. I mean, obviously, Spider-Man 2 is the superior product and, a, and actually just, like, a perfect sliver of filmmaking, top to bottom. Made more money, too. Yeah, from, from acting to, to set pieces to just character and narrative. But it's just so much fun, man. Like, I, I fucking love... It, is, it almost feels Ashian in a way. Like, he is... <laughs> like, when, when Ashian in um, Army of Darkness defeats King Arthur and punches beats the Deadite in the, in the pit and punches King Arthur and he's like eating a giant turkey leg and like all of a sudden just like cocky and like yeah. this foreign world like that's what it felt like when Peter Parker's like doing the snap and jazz fingers and why, owning, owning the club why exactly do people hate that scene I think because they I, A I think because they didn't do a good job of, of saying like here's how the symbiote like fucks Peter up mm-hmm. like here's really what it is uh, and also I mean People are gonna have a hard time interpreting a scene like that. That is Raimi, like in a in a very Raimi moment. It's a Raimi scene, but it is not in the way that like uh, is marketable or like translatable to the mainstream. It's like if you like his movies, you might see like what he's doing here and why it's funny. And it negates the tone of the first four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first two, the first movie, then the two, the second. Yeah. And then the opening sequence, like you said, the first 30 minutes is a pretty 
take this serious yeah. Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's this <laughs> fucking high school musical, like <laughs> almost like bizarre. It's shot. It's, buzz- like, it's bizarre. It's, it's bizarre. really it's like bizarre. It's a bizarro, almost like gonzo way of filming. I know Wes is really about to go in on this movie, so yeah. I just want to say one more thing. Uh, and I do think that the biggest problem with the movie is probably is Venom. Uh, I don't think Venom is production design well. I like Topher Grace, but he was not the right person to play Venom. Miscast like uh, crazy. The whole storyline of uh, Eddie Brock being a reporter is not needed. It makes Peter look stupid in ways that don't really make sense for his character. And I think you could have pulled – if you'd production designed the Green Goblin better in this movie or art designed, I guess, whatever the fuck, uh, if you had done that better, a movie that was uh, – Peter staving off Harry becoming the Goblin while fighting Sandman, and then they do do, like, Goblin saves them from Sandman at the end. I totally see how that could have been a really good movie. I, I think, And I, I think another thing that kind of went to the wayside in 3 was the, rom- the romantic plot, which was so strong in the first two movies. Now it is kind of... She's, like, hanging out with Harry, and it's, it, like... Amnesia, there's an amnesia subplot there, yeah, and it's... No amnesia <laughs> subplots. No, get rid of them. Do not do amnesia subplots. I don't care if it's a show. If it's a show, it's the worst thing you can do. Turns out if it's a movie, it's also bad. Yeah, and I, to, to pass it off to Wes, who will probably, you know, ether this movie much harder, I... The parts that feel the most Raimi-esque really shine here, where it's, like... The body horror of Venom was actually pretty intense and shocking when I rewatched it. I was like, when it's taking over both Topher and and um, Toby, it was just like, this is pretty rough. Like I can imagine kids being a little disturbed by this. Like it's it's very visceral and graphic. But then you have the huge, the, the big broad camp of a of a of a Sandman character, which is like another. Uh, that was. Please look up the gif of of Sandman trying to rebuild himself in the like particle <laughs> I, I thing. Like that effect for the time was really dope. Yeah, yeah it was. It but doesn't look bad. It doesn't look bad. It just looks really weird, and like it's supposed to be kind of like really emotional, and it is. But it's so weird. Uh, Wes, take it away. Well, I was gonna say it leads credence to why I think this is him thumbing his nose at the machine because, like you said, we don't get the Spider Man four. The next movie he makes is four years later, three years later, and it's him back to his original form with Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, so it's which like, is great. Yeah, which is amazing. So it's like you could tell he was itching to just get the fuck out of here, and I will always appreciate uh, an all-tour flicking off a big corporate entity like Sony. So uh, how does it feel to be like really wrong about everything? <laughs> <laughs> I have a soft stance for something I love. I won't apologize. I think this movie is actually just as bad as... Uh, I remember it being the first time I saw it. Why do you hate it, Wes? It just, it, it takes everything that was great about <laughs> the series and it just makes it wrong. But do you blame him? Do you blame Sam? I mean, we can talk about how yeah, bad the movie is all I mean, day. He, I think some of it's his fault. Uh, I mean, he directed it. Yeah. I think the scenes that most people hate, he probably had a big hand in. <laughs> I think I think he had a huge hand in the emo Peter scenes. Which are terrible. Um, uh, there's a, there's a line where he grabs the waitress and oh. and he goes, "Give us some shade, hot legs." And who speaks like that is what I said when I heard. But everyone fucking ash when he's like suck on but, this. But but everyone everyone thinks he's cool. Head of the yeah. game, baby. That's the point. It's, is it, it? It is a heightened. It is goes back to this 
Um, but that Batman almost, Forever, like a heightened sort of like bizarro Gonzo, but, just, uh, Terry Gilliam movie. Like nothing makes sense. It, you, is, a, it is a fever dream. You mentioned this, yeah, just like you said. You mentioned fever dream. That scene feels like a fever dream because like, I also thought like when I saw it again, like maybe this is what Peter thinks is people think about him and he's not really cool. He's just really looking like a big ass dork. I legit think Sam Raimi just fucking hates this character now. It, it's a, it's a, tr- it's a trend of like the third movie, like Nolan turns on Batman and, t- and Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> he turned on Batman way before Dark Knight right, Rises. But like <laughs> overtly so in the third. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get broken after what? Two Avengers movies. Yeah, that's, right. that's like a total of six movies in two. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, mean, I can't blame the boy. He went into a cave afterwards, but also fuck Joss Whedon. Keep going, Wes. Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it, actually. It it, it really hurt. Just coming off the good, the good, yeah, the, it really the hurt. Monumental I, the second one. I went with, I, I was very hyped for this movie, and I went with uh, all my friends, and they all gave me a hug after. Wow. It was like, it was like uh, someone had died. And they were like, I'm sorry, Wes. We know. We could, I cut my own trailer for well, this movie. Well, Spider-Man only died for three years. He came right back. Yeah, and it was almost uh, worse. The, the, the <laughs> worst. I think, I think the Mark Webb movies are almost as bad as Spider-Man 3. Oh, I think they more. are. I think they're worse just because they don't have, like, the craftsmanship yeah, in them I mean, at all. Even though Spider-Man 3 is really bad, there still is, like, pretty great Sam Raimi moments. Yeah, that's... Um, that's it's just the goodwill from that. He's just, he's a very talented filmmaker. And like, even in his worst film, you're going to see that he's still very talented. Yeah. And just because of how big the stakes are, there's mm-hmm. a lot to, in the failure, a lot to digest because he, I mean, how did, how did this happen? Um, <laughs> and I know we're running long, but did you guys know I was on the set of Spider-Man three? No, what I, well, I do want to Something hear tells about me this. taints your person perspective on this no no okay it was mostly a good experience but i embarrassed myself we were on vacation in new york city we were on one of those tourist buses and i knew they were filming in the city and we we were driving by and it's that scene where he gets the key to the city yeah yeah yeah. you know with all the balloons yeah and the celebration and i'm like what what is that and they're like oh if you look to your left they're filming spider-man 3 and i was like what? <laughs> and I was like, Mom and Dad, we gotta get off this fucking Mom bus. That makes it so fucking nerd. We gotta get off this bus now. And they wouldn't let us off until like four more blocks. And I remember running with my brother to get back to the set. And we we climbed this park bench. And I had my shitty Sony Handycam because I was like filming everything at yeah. that point. I was like, I'm a filmmaker. And I got footage of Toby and Kristen on set. I got footage of Sam Raimi. The footage is so shaky because I'm <laughs> literally shaking so hard. And was I, he wearing a suit? He was wearing a suit. Raimi suit, not the spider suit. Yeah, Ra- Raimi suit. He wears that one suit, right? Yeah, I was shaking and I was like, oh my God, Sam Raimi, oh my God. And uh, so my parents were like, can we leave? <laughs> like, this is weird and creepy. Are and we, I was like, what have we done to ourselves? And I was like, fine. So we're leaving. And we're crossing the street. Coming from the other side of the street is uh, Topher Grace uh, <laughs> with his assistant and a cup of coffee. Who and at the time was, you got to remember, was kind of a big star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and, is I his moment, and I know. <laughs> he had a weird like two-year run. And I, I know he's Venom. And I'm like, Venom is my favorite comic book character. He's playing my favorite comic book character. And I immediately just start filming him. <laughs> <laughs> I start filming him, and he looks up at me, and he's like, who's this weird little fat kid 
filming me. Hold on, for the folks at home listening, you can't see this, but Wes pantomimed a shoulder camera. <laughs> <laughs> because this is what, maybe pre-cell phone or no, pre-video no, no, no. phone? Did you it, have a You phone? had a handy cam, It was a handy right? cam. Okay. It was a handy cam. He had he him with a newscaster. Uh, <laughs> that shit was hilarious. It wasn't. That Excuse me, sir. <laughs> so, <laughs> sir. So he's, he makes eye contact with me and he gives me this look and I'm like, oh, fuck. And I put it down and I was like, oh, I fucked it up. But we're already walking. So we're going to cross each other. And I'm like, what do I say? I gotta say something, right? Should I say something? I don't know. And as we're passing each other, I find myself saying, Spider-Man 3 is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Not, it's gonna be awesome. Not, I hope it's awesome. It's already it's awesome. It's already awesome. The boy is boy, Wes. And then oh, I was massively disappointed about six months later. So. That oh is fucking that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, that's pretty fucking amazing. I'll show you the guys that there's pictures of this. I'll show it to oh, you. I'll, that, put it, I'll put it on our Instagram. That is very um, cringe-inducing. Yeah. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, so... We, we that's we, a great way to. Oh, put can, it can we can we briefly <laughs> no. mention the worst thing about Spider-Man Three to me is that uh, eventually that the, it was so poorly received and Sony was pissed about it and obviously Raimi was pissed about it and they had started to work despite all this on Spider-Man Four, uh, the villain of which was going to be John Malkovich uh, as Vulture, and Anne uh, Hathaway was going to be in it. Really? Yeah, it's As, Felicia Hardy. Oh no! Yeah. So like, she's two cats. Yeah, <laughs> she ended up being. She ended yeah, up being yeah, yeah, yeah. Out for her. <laughs> but I think that that not getting a Raimi directed Malkovich as the Vulture is just one of the great crimes of. And did you of, do you know about the opening of that movie? No. The opening of that movie sounded so cool. It was Spider Man. It was like a montage of Spider-Man busting lesser villains. Oh, shit. that's so and it, cool. And it ends with him busting Mysterio, played by Bruce Campbell. Oh, that's Oh, fire. that's amazing. That was, that was rumored that he was going to be mm-hmm. in those movies for so long. He was going to be in three or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. So now that we have a completely, like, we, we, we have... Exhausted. We've yeah. exhausted Sam Raimi's contri- contribution to the superhero genre. If tomorrow they said, you know, Sam Raimi could do this again would you accept sam raimi back into your hearts to make another superhero movie in this climate I, knowing what this climate is no because i think that uh it, i mean if it were like uh you, somebody i think eric mentioned uh Darkman being like a vertigo imprint or something mm-hmm. if it were something like that that i didn't think they were going to try to multiverse franchise then yes because i think i think the brilliance of those spider-man movies is uh, that there's still really, really, really Sam Raimi movies, and I don't think that could happen today. I mean, it's like what we talked about in the last episode with they take these indie filmmakers and then they just make them make a Star Wars movie or they have them <laughs> make a Marvel movie or if you don't do it and you improvise too much on the set of Soul, they fire you. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Lord and Miller. Uh, Who would have made a great fucking Soul? Uh, so, I, like, no, I, I wouldn't want, unless I were very sure about the property, I would much rather see him do... I mean, Drag Me to Hell, I, I saw that back to back with Up. Uh, this say, oh, it, this week that uh, Drag Me to Hell came out was that was the week that I watched all of Evil Dead and all for the first time, and I watched Spider Man. So it was a, it was a big Raimi week, and I mean, Drag Me to Hell is fantastic, uh, kind of unsung, uh, but that's kind of how Raimi's sole career has ended up right. being. Yeah, which I more or less agree with that. I mean, the cynic in me wants to say. 
don't make any more superhero movies. <laughs> in general, I'd be happy with that. But if I heard that, I know we can't escape the vortex because these things will keep going until we die. If Remy's name was attached, I'd be happy because I know the sort of subtle, dark, and sort of um, uh, twisted elements he'll bring and sort of, like I said, Trojan horse into these movies like we saw with, with Spider-Man 2 and the weird sort of outre shit that he did in Spider-Man 3, <laughs> which is like, I will always appreciate them going for it. Like, even if it doesn't really land, if, if it's broad and funny and sort of a fuck you to, to the whole infrastructure, I'm, I'm going to be a fan. But, I mean... I, I do like Sam Raimi's quieter movies, like I said, simple plan in my shit. So no, so no, 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 like just leave it alone, Sam. I want to see him do a, no, I want to see him do another Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, I'd rather see him do that. Which, like, the more I think about it, Drag Me to Hell, might have been a was that that wasn't pre-existing property, was it? Was that I an original? Well, I don't believe so. I mean, it, it was, was original. Yeah, it was, wrote it. Yeah, it was something he didn't ever seem like he was taking a check, except maybe Spider-Man Three, which I don't blame him. Get that, <laughs> get that money, Sam. Get that money, and just like that, we'll be getting our asses out of here <laughs> for the uh, this, the latest episode of Late Fees. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for basically like being with us as we gush over Sam Raimi for almost two hours. <laughs> and thank you just for like being with us as we figure this out. Like this is podcast two, as you heard in the first one already. Yes, there's a lot of off the cuff rambling, a lot of free thought, stream of consciousness because shit's hitting us as we come along, and we're gonna tighten this format up, which I think is already pretty tight. But it's uh, just four bros, good bros, IRL talking some shit, URL baby. And once again, <laughs> that was Eric, and that's that, my sign off. That was very, that was very odd. Uh, oh, but as God. always, you guys can listen to late, uh, the Late Fees podcast and many other podcasts on the RNC Radio Network at SoundCloud.com slash RNC Radio Live. Follow us on Twitter at RNC Radio Live. Follow us on Instagram, Wes. Uh, late fees, a podcast because late fees pod was taken. <laughs> Interesting. Follow us there on Instagram. We will be posting videos and uh, pictures and whatever Wes has in his mind. He likes to keep things close to the chest, yeah. as Bruce Wayne would say. So until next time, I'm Justin for Pat, Eric, and Wes. Thank you for listening to Late Fees. Until next time, make sure you return those movies. Peace.